Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tebold, the President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, likely the largest provider of cancer support in the U.S. and around the world. Our services are offered at over 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. When we think about cancer, we often think about people who are perhaps middle-aged, elderly, a parent, a, a grandparent, but really this is not uh, always the case. And too often young adults get neglected in the cancer conversation. Uh, each year more than 70,000 young adults in their 20s and 30s are diagnosed with cancer. And, and, of course, more than a million people will be affected by young adult cancer patients when you consider spouses, family members, friends, colleagues, loved ones. Young adults really face unique concerns and challenges when it comes to cancer. Uh, as part of the second installment of cancer, uh, the Cancer Support Community and Sexuality Radio Show series, I want to take the opportunity to talk uh, today about some of the unique issues facing young adults, sexuality and intimacy really being chief among them. So when you broadly consider what people in their 20s and 30s are doing in their lives, they're, they're choosing a career, they're dating, maybe getting married, starting a family, so... A cancer diagnosis at that time can really impact some major milestones in a person's life. Um, before we dive into the discussion today, let's, let's talk for a minute about some of the facts um, ar- around this issue. So many types of cancer and cancer treatments um, we certainly know are associated with sexual dysfunction. I mean, in fact, estimates of sexual dysfunction after various treatments range from 40 to 100 uh, percent. And we, we also know that cancer treatment may lead to infertility in both men and women, obviously another issue that we're talking about when we're talking about young adults. Um, and as a result of cancer and cancer treatments, one's own masculinity or femininity uh, can really be called uh, into question um, uh, through this process. So you know the show is called Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. We're going to face this topic head on. We're going to talk about cancer and sexuality in young adults. Um, in the next hour, you'll hear from three wonderful guests about their varied experiences with cancer and sexuality. First, we have Tamika Felder, who was diagnosed with cervical cancer in 2001 in her 20s. Tamika is the founder of Tamika and Friends, a nonprofit organization dedicated to raising awareness about cervical cancer. Welcome back to the show, Tamika. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. 
We are also joined by Johnny Immerman, a testicular cancer survivor. Johnny is the founder of Immerman Angels, a nonprofit organization that provides a matching service of one-on-one peer support to those affected by cancer. Certainly, uh, Immerman Angels is a very good friend of the cancer support community, and we're so happy to have you on the show, Johnny. Kim, thank you. Thank you, everyone here. Excited. Excited to be here. And we uh, finally are joined by Dr. Sage Bolt, an oncology social worker and sex therapist at Life with Cancer in Virginia. Dr. Bolt has presented at uh, numerous conferences across the country on the impact of chronic illness on sexuality, intimacy, and sexual function. Welcome, Dr. Bolt. Thanks so much. So glad to be here. So um, we've got these amazing perspectives to bring to the discussion today, so I want to jump in. I'm going to start with Tamika. Um, Tamika, take us back to when you were diagnosed um, with cancer. What was your cancer diagnosis? What was the, what was the path of treatment, and what, what was that like for you? I was 25 years old, so just really starting my life, as you talked about earlier, really, you know, becoming a woman, knowing who I was, what I wanted to do, getting into my profession. And um, it was devastating for me. Uh, I didn't know anything about cervical cancer. I knew about cancer. My father died of colon cancer the day before my 17th birthday, and I've had family members die of various cancers. But I'd never heard of cervical cancer, and, you know, it dealt with a very intimate area, so I was embarrassed. Then, you know, who wants to talk about, you know, their genital area and then let alone bring cancer into it, especially with your peers when you're so young? So um, it was a hard time for me. You know, I'm a very social person. Uh, My life has always been an open book, but when I was diagnosed with cervical cancer, I didn't want my life to be an open book. I didn't want people to talk about it. I didn't understand it. And um, I I knew that if I survived my cancer, that my life would forever be changed. And it, it, it has changed for good and bad. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to get into that a little bit um, uh, today, Tamika, but that's, a, I think, a good start and some good background. Um, Johnny, how about you? Tell, t- tell, us, tell us your story. Yeah, I was diagnosed. I was 26 years old, Kim, when I got diagnosed and went through uh, surgery to remove my left testicle. I had testicular cancer and then bank sperm. I can't, no, I can't have kids naturally and then went right into chemo for about five months. I beat it for just about a year, scans were clear, and then at 28, 29, I had four tumors that popped up on a CAT scan. I had to go back in through an 11-inch surgery and get all four tumors out. And, you know, just like Tamika said, and we all know each other, by the way, very, very well as all young adult survivors, and it does change you forever. I mean, I think that's a fact, I think, with most of us, if not all of us. And um, I think it's mostly good. Um, For me, I will say it's the number one best thing that ever happened to me. For me, it really is good. There's been a ton of challenges um, during it. Obviously, it was difficult. You know, my emotional self-esteem, my uh, self-identity got rocked throughout the fight. Um, I mm-hmm. remember looking in the mirror and crying and pointing at myself, being like, who's that guy? Because I didn't even recognize myself in the mirror. You just look like a different person. So emotionally, it's tough, but, um, but you get there, and you get through a difficult period after cancer, which can be really hard to building back up. But the key is you get there, and we get stronger, and we win our lives back, and, and life does get better. All right, Johnny, so I think there's some of our listeners who have maybe have the show on in the background, and somebody said, wait a minute, did that guy just say that cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life? 
I did. Is, is did. that what I just heard that guy say? I, I think did. some of our listeners might be uh, might be saying that. So t- tell us about that for a minute, Johnny, because it seems completely probably counterintuitive to folks. It absolutely does, and I understand that. Anyone listening out there who feels that that's a tough comment to understand, I agree when you're in the middle of it. It's hard. Um, you know, we all relate. It's hard. But having gone through it, I would never, ever change it. You know, it inspired me and showed me a way to find a crack in the system and to build a network of survivors, which, you know, Tamika is one of our survivors. There's thousands more that each survivor gives back to help other people and share their stories. And and we got fired up as a group of survivors. What can we do differently to make this system better? And the only way we know how to help others and improve the system is to live through it. I wouldn't get it. I wouldn't know how to do it otherwise. And that is it. Is it part? Is it, has it defined you in a way, Johnny? Oh, no question. No question. Yeah. Such a huge, and I feel the same way. Tamika, you do. Yeah, it totally defines who you are. Uh huh. Uh huh. And it can and be it a good thing. thing. That can be a great. That can thing. be a good it's thing. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't easy. My self-esteem, as I, as the listeners on this phone call, I know know me very well, was a zero point zero on the confidence scale. You don't get lower than that couldn't believe a girl wanted to date me. I couldn't believe I had energy to even try to play sports. I mean, I was in the tank. It was rough, and I remember uh, very well. But um, through friendships and through working with others and through reaching out and opening, sometimes you bring all these good things into your life, and you become stronger for it and through it. And uh, I 100% feel that way every day, that it's the best thing that ever happened. So, Dr. Sage Bolte, let's, uh, let's analyze this for a minute. Um, uh, so we're talking about self-esteem issues. We're talking about quality of life issues. Give us some context here. Cancer, cancer treatment impacting uh, uh, sexual identity and, and quality of life. Tell us about that. Sure. So, and I think, you know, no matter where you are, no matter what age you are, that cancer impacts, we know that cancer, as you said earlier, Kim, 40 to 100% of, of patients will experience some form of sexual dysfunction. And when we're saying sexual dysfunction, and even some numbers will say 10 to 100% of people diagnosed mm. with cancer. So, you know, sexual dysfunction can be something from lowered libido to not being able to have an orgasm. So, you know, there's, a, there's kind of a large range of when we're talking about sexual dysfunction. And, and certainly how somebody feels about themselves or thinks about their body can also influence sexual dysfunction. You know, Donnie was just saying, you know, I felt like a 0.00 on, on how he felt about his body. That has a huge, powerful impact then on what you're capable of doing sexually as well. Not only what you're willing to do, but what your body's going to do. Um, and all of that affects quality of life. So when we think, especially in this young adult population, some of the key factors of quality of life are um, identity formation and being able to kind of separate and create their own space, create their own life, dating and starting a family, if that's something that's important to them, um, yeah. developing their own identity as an adult and, um, you know, how, how they feel about themselves. A lot of people are just kind of coming into their own confidence, into their own skin in their 20s and 30s. Um, and so cancer rocks that. And the sexual identity of somebody, what I would call their sexual self, how they think about themselves, feel about their body, and the behaviors they're willing to participate in sexually are absolutely affected not only by cancer treatments, but also by... Um, um, kind of the life that follows both during and after cancer, how they feel about themselves, their support system, um, and, and the way their body changes. So it's not just about the, you, you, the, the sexual experience during the intensity of treatment or during the it's, – it's actually defining beyond that. You're saying not just perhaps 
physically, but also perhaps emotionally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the emotional component is sometimes bigger because we can find ways and get creative around the physical changes. But if you're emotionally not able to heal, if you're in a broken space, it's really hard um, to then feel sexual. Yeah. Tamika, we've only got a, a minute until we go to the break, but, but did you experience sexual side effects after your cancer and after your cancer treatment? Um, did, did you have some difficulties from that? Yes, I did, and I'm still experiencing them today. So it's a continuing process to have a good quality sexual, healthy sex life, you know, after yeah. my cancer diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. And, you uh, know, go ahead. No, because I had... Um, radiation therapy, which gives vaginal dryness. I also had a portion of my vagina removed, so there's only two inches of depth, which isn't a lot for a partner mm-hmm. to work with and mm-hmm. can make it painful for me. So, you know, there's definitely things that I have to do to make sure that I enjoy it, my partner, and, you know, it's hard. It's hard on a relationship. Yeah, yeah. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and we are speaking frankly today about sexuality cancer and uh, young adults. We've got three um, great guests on the show. As we were saying earlier, it's really estimated that, as Dr. Volte was saying, perhaps 10 to 100% of people experience some form of, of uh, sexual dysfunction after cancer um, and, and cancer treatment. And the impact of that is not only uh, a tremendous physical impact, but an emotional impact. Um, as well. So uh, I'm Kim Chibaldo, your host today, uh, frankly speaking about cancer. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you a breakaway from cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Azi and, and Morphotech. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today we're joined by Tamika Felder, a cervical cancer survivor, Johnny Emmerman, a testicular cancer survivor, and Dr. Sage Bolte, an oncology social worker and sex therapist. And the show today is focusing on sexuality and young adult cancer survivors, a population that is too often neglected in the cancer dialogue, and frankly, a, uh, I think a topic in a conversation that not enough people are having, so we're glad to be having this conversation today. Um, so I want to go back, uh, Tamika, we were talking just before the break about the sexual side effects of your uh, cancer treatment, and and uh, sounds like there were some pretty intense uh, uh, side effects. Um, Johnny, let me ask you this, the the same question: How has the, your cancer treatment affected your sexuality? Yes, good thing Tamika and I are both very very open. So um, with me, of course, my left testicle got cut out, and um, really the only difference for the listeners out there who just don't know, the only difference is if you cup it with your hand and you feel. You're going to feel one ball instead of two. I mean, mm-hmm. plain and simple, black and white. Yep. That's the only difference for 99%, maybe everybody, with testicular cancer. Um, the, the testicle uh, rebounds and it adapts and the testosterone level comes back to where it needs to. I don't take any pills. I don't take any supplements. Um, sexually, my libido is totally back to normal. I feel totally normal. The drive is normal. Um, enduring sex is normal and ejaculation is normal. And um, everything's normal. I mean, really. And is that, and and based on what you know, Johnny, is that the experience of most testicular cancer survivors? Yes, based on most of them that I know, and we do with what we do at Women Angels, we know probably 250, 300 testicular survivors, and I've probably heard almost all their stories. And yes, that's very normal. The ones who've lost one. Now, the ones who've lost two, which is much more rare. In the yeah. case where you have testicular cancer, separate primaries, one in one testicle, maybe two years later, and the other one, very mm. rare stuff. You lose both. Now you're getting a little dicier. You're most yeah. likely going to have to take some testosterone pills or something. Oops. Sorry about that. That was my phone. Got excited over this conversation. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, but, yes, the ones who lose two, it's, it's a little dicier. But yeah. Sexually, and now you said you had some other surgery as well, Johnny. Have you had any effects from that? You know, a lot of people do. It's called a retroperitoneal lymph node dissection, where mm-hmm. my tumors were small but behind my kidneys in the back. And um, it's an 11-inch surgery through your stomach, and it is not that uncommon that people have problems afterwards with ejaculation and so forth. I've had zero. I've been very lucky. I mean, I literally... The only difference with me is there's one physically instead of two. I mean, everything okay. else is exactly the same, looks the same. Um, and for the listeners out there, too, you know, the younger guys, they're 18 years old, 19 years old, 14 years old, going through testicular cancer, most of them assume that a girl is going to have a big problem with, or their partner, let's just say, guy or girl, is going to be have a big problem with they have only one. But I, because I, I'm older and I'm 20, 26 when I had it, and now I'm 35, girls don't care. They literally don't care. I don't think I've ever heard anyone be rejected by a girl because they have one testicle instead of two. And so I think it's so important when you're faced with a surgery to have one removed and your yeah. doctor looks at you and says, do you want a prosthetic? 
and you say, okay, I've got to figure this out. Do I want it or do I just leave it blank? Um, I think you've got to do it if you want to do it for you, yourself, because you feel better about your mm-hmm. body, but don't do it because you think someone else is going to react to you differently. That's not the right reason. And the reality is the other partner, I promise you, 99.9% of the time does not care at all. Yeah, that's Back. good advice. That's good advice. Um, Tamika, obviously, before the break, you were talking about some of the side effects that you um, experienced. Can we go back to that for a sure. minute for those just joining the show? Can you let folks know about what some of the side effects were that you have experienced and can perhaps continue to experience and, and how really how that affects your intimate relationships and affects your dating and things like that? I think people would love to hear that from you. Well, you know, you talk about low libido, um, Unfortunately, I don't have that issue. <laughs> I, <experienced> it. <laughs> I feel like all right, all right. There's like there's some high fiving going on on the show today, right now. Know, I think I, I don't have that issue, but I do suffer from vaginal dryness, the atrophy, mm-hmm. the sh- meaning the shrinkage of the vagina because um, uh, I've had a portion of it, the top portion of it removed. But also, you know, the vagina is a muscle. So um, when I was going through a dry spell of not dating, not being intimate with anyone, it shrinks even more, mm-hmm. um, so it makes it very difficult. Um, but use it, it or lose it. it. You use it or you lose it. And, <laughs> and you know, we, we well, counsel but. patients who, you know, their vagina is so damaged from the radiation and surgery that it's hard for them to even get a pap smear to get a speculum wow. through their vagina, wow. much less, you know, having sex or anything like that. So uh, it, it, it's a hard conversation, and I think, you know, I didn't want, you know, I've been referred to as the sex lady. I've never wanted to be that person. I think my frustration as a 20-something out there trying to date, it was very hard, and I wanted it to be a conversation, you know, that we started having. And I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I think it's even important for, you know, people who are married, but it's definitely important for uh, young people. So one of the things that makes it particularly difficult, if you're about to be intimate with someone, especially if it's the first time, Mm. you know, you're very nervous. You know, I have a scar from my belly button to my vagina. So Mm -hmm. that's another issue that I have to deal with. Then you want to make sure that they're happy because I think sometimes you think, oh, if you don't please them, they won't be back go someplace else, and you really have to have a conversation, and this is a difficult conversation to have. You just kind of have to just do it. Then if you've been with someone for a while and, you know, some sexual activity is good, but then others isn't, you know, that's another issue you have to work out. So communication definitely is the key. You have to find your voice. Um, A lot of times people say, oh, you're so good at it. I have those same difficulties. I'm nervous. I just started dating again. I'm in a new relationship. And, you know, so I'm going through this right now. And I tell people, it's still hard. I get nervous. But once I have the conversation, you have it. And you just have to let the chips fall where they fall. You know, they're either, you know, not going to care at all, like Johnny says, or they're going to have an issue with it. And you can try to work through that issue or you move on. So I don't, so have you, um, has there been, a right time, Tamika, where you felt like it's, you know, so do you have like a formula like, okay, after three dates I need to tell him or after, I mean, is it, is it just you just kind of go with your gut or <laughs> you, know, you go with your, you know? <laughs> it, it's funny because, you know, when I started doing this, um, you know, this was when I first started dating, because when I was diagnosed, I was in a relationship and we broke up afterwards, so I had that security blanket of being with the person that I was with before cancer and after cancer. 
So when I first got back in the dating world after cancer, I just blabbed. I had diarrhea of the mouth. I'm like, you know what? My name is Tamika. I had cancer. You know, my vajayjay's all jacked up. (laughs) And I can tell you that is not the way to go. I don't have a formula for three days, three months. You you can tell us how not to do it. I can tell you how not to do it. What I do now that definitely works for me, yeah. I, I, I wait to see, you know, if it's somebody that I want to see again or if I see them as my potential husband or if I see myself even having sex with them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I went out on a date with someone and, you know, he was cute. He started talking and I'm like, oh, he's a total jerk. I'll never have sex with him. So he didn't need to know, you know, about all of my sexual dysfunctions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, we're, go- we're going on to, on the show, we're coming up on, I think, our 100th anniversary, 100 episodes, and I can confirm for a fact that this is the first time on the show when somebody said, my JJ's jacked up. I can, <laughs> I can definitely confirm that this is the first, for frankly speaking, about cancer. <laughs> well, hey, you got to be the first at something, right? You know what, Tamika, you're a trailblazer. Trailblazer. <laughs> uh, Dr. Bolte, so, let, so let, let's, let's generalize some of these issues. So, yes. you know, we do, obviously, we see a lot of folks with cancer who, you know, I, oh, my, I've been married for 20 years. My, I knew my husband was going to stand by me. Um, but, you know, we're talking about a whole different set of issues with these young survivors Absolutely. when it comes to sexuality and intimacy. What, what are the, the, those unique issues? So I think both Tamika and Johnny have highlighted them uh, all very well. I mean, the, the, the biggest fear is if you're not in a relationship when you're diagnosed, how do you go about disclosing and when do you disclose and are they going to reject me? And one of the things I think as Tamika, Johnny, and I, we kind of travel together with this sex show. <laughs> um, yeah. Many of us will say, you know, I think you need to trust your gut on it, as Tamika was speaking to, but I often say, you know, listen to your gut, but when you start having feelings for that person that you know you would be hurt if, then you might want to disclose sooner than later. Because again, um, you know, the worst thing that could happen is they they can't handle it and that doesn't make them a bad person. It just means they're not the right person for you. Um, Mm -hmm. And they need to move on and you need to move on. The sooner you know, the better, because then you can keep doing what you're doing, which is finding the right person for you. Um, And I think the other, you know, unique uh, issue that's not necessarily unique to cancer survivors it seems to be becoming more common, unfortunately, for a younger population is um, infertility and how, how you disclose that as well. So when, when you're talking about disclosure, it's not that you're just unloading, oh, by the way, I had cancer. It's that you're unloading, oh, by the way, I had cancer. And as Tamika said, you know, then I have all these sexual problems and I have a scar from my vagina and my belly button and mm-hmm. I'm missing a testicle and I don't know that I can have kids and maybe I'm at risk for recurrence or maybe I'm living with metastatic disease, which brings up a whole other set of issues. So I think there's just a lot... There's a lot of emotional things that go in um, to a diagnosis when we're talking about sexuality and intimacy. They may not have had a lot of sexual experience to begin with. If they're diagnosed in their early 20s, they may not have had a lot of sexual experience. So their, their exposure to what might be good or might not be good may be um, not as... Uh, maybe well-versed as someone that was older, so they may be having painful sex and not realize that's not normal. Um, Or um, they may not know that the depth of their vaginal area was changed. And and women who are young, who are, for example, women who go through a stem cell transplant, 
um, they're at higher risk for premature ovarian failure. That in and of itself with the menopausal symptoms can cause Mm. a lot of changes sexually, both in um, the libidic response, just having a lower libido, not as much desire, but also physiologically, they can have vaginal atrophy, vaginal stenosis, which can cause painful sex as well as the weakening, again, of the muscles of the vaginal area. They may not know that what they're experiencing um, is related to their treatment. They may think that their body's just changed and there are things they can do about it. So certainly mm-hmm. that presents a unique challenges. If they don't mm-hmm. know that something is different and can be fixed, they're not using the right tools to help fix it. Great, great. I, I think we're getting some really good advice today and we're going to get into some more practical considerations um, This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking about sexuality, cancer, and young adults. We're going to take a quick break here, and uh, we'll be right back. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Genentech and Celgene. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today we're joined by Tamika Felder, a cervical cancer survivor, Johnny Immerman, a testicular cancer survivor, and Dr. Sage Bolte, an oncology social worker and a sex therapist. Today we're focusing on young cancer survivors and sexual health. 
an area of cancer survivorship that really uh, deserves a great level uh, of attention, and I'm happy we're having this conversation today. Um, I, I just want to mention that at the Cancer Support Community, we offer support to people of all ages affected by cancer. We've got uh, young adult programs. Um, we've got support online, in person, through our 50-plus affiliates um, across the country. So check us out at cancersupportcommunity.org to find out more about some of the uh, programs and services um, that we're providing. Um, Johnny, I want to come back to you. Um, so being a, a young person with cancer, in your 20s you were diagnosed, um, did you find it hard to, to meet others who you could connect with? Or, you know, did you, did you want to connect with other survivors? Did you want to find a support network? Um, tell, tell us about, you know, kind of that process of how you really coped with the diagnosis. Kim, you just used the magic word with me, and I know this whole panel knows me very well and knows that word connect. I get excited about it. And, um, yeah, to me, that, that to me, sexual issues, um, dealing with side effects from chemo issues, I think anything in this cancer world, we empower ourselves through friendships between those who understand. And I'm just a huge believer in connecting to others. And, yes, I absolutely, to answer your question, Kim, wanted to connect, um, was unable to find another young adult male my age who'd been through the same experience from beginning to end. Um, unfortunately, and, um, I think it's so important. I think people need it. I think it would have helped me tremendously if I knew me today that, you know, I'm running marathons today, that would have absolutely helped me then. But then also the sexual questions, yes, because you just, you don't know. I mean, you really don't know. Is it going to be different? Is anything going to come out when you ejaculate? Is it not? I mean, you just simply don't know. Um, and the best way to learn is from someone who's actually been there, who's open about it and befriends you and says, look, I want to help. What do you want to know? I've been there. I've asked the same questions. You know, let's talk about it. So I'm a huge believer in connecting with those who simply understand is a huge, huge piece in the sexual realm, but also just in overall questions about cancer. I think it's huge for the young adults. So let's do a quick plug, Johnny, for Immerman Angel. So obviously your cancer experience led you to found this organization. Just tell our listeners quickly the, the mission and how they can find you. Yeah, thank you, Kim. You know, because of this need that I had when I was 26, I could not find another young adult male like me. And I looked around the room and I had the best mom in the world, slept at the hospital, was there every minute, every chemo, every surgery. My brothers were great. My friends were great. My doctors were amazing. Fifteen people around me during chemo every day. Very unusual. And I was very lucky and grateful. But the one missing piece to me, which was so highlighted because it was the only missing piece, was the friendship between a guy like me who understood. So yeah. we created Immerman Angels. It's a free, always will be free, one-on-one peer matching program for people fighting cancer. So if you're fighting cancer and you're 40, or you could be 80, or you could be 25, and you have, let's say, brain cancer, lung cancer, or cervical cancer, we're going to match you peer-to-peer with a survivor just like you who shared the same experience and is on the other end of it and says, I'm two years ago, I was sitting where you were sitting, and I want to help you out. So we one-to-one match people to a survivor just like them. Or it could be a thriver. You know, if you're living with stage 4 cancer, and it's breast cancer, and you're 33, you know, we're going to find you a thriver who's been thriving for eight years with that stage 4 cancer and says, look, sweetie, I'm farther down the same road. I get it. Do you want to talk about sexual stuff with your husband? Do you want to talk about dating? Do you want to talk about having a kid and dealing with this? You know, I'm just like you, and I'm open. And how do folks find you, Johnny? They find us, um, 
you know, our website is probably the best way to get the most information, which is emmermanangels.org, which is I-M-E-R-M-A-N, angels.org. You can also call the office anytime at 866-EMMERMAN and toll-free. And it's that simple. It's free. We just want to Great. dot by dot connect everyone so no one Great. can Excellent, Johnny. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you do. Tamika, um, when you were diagnosed going through this, how did you find support? How did you support yourself socially and emotionally through the process? You know, it, it was it was really hard, and that's why I found it Tamika and Friends. You know, I, I mm-hmm. could not get the type of support that I needed for me. You know, and this was during a time when no one was really talking about cervical cancer. Yeah. Um, so I found myself... Um, talking about other gynecological cancers, but my needs as a young single woman uh, were not met. And I can actually say, you know, I wish there was an Emmerman Angels because even now I can say sometimes they get the rarest forms of cancers. And mm-hmm. even when I feel like, oh, they're not going to find anyone, you know, they'll have someone like me who's close to the situation get them to where they need to be. And somehow there's always someone out there for someone. I can, and, and I can actually say that. And I had mm-hmm. that same type of need, want and need that Johnny had. And I didn't want anyone else to go through what I went through. So yeah. w- we founded the organization. And... Um, I wanted to make sure that it was a place where people would show their photos, you know, that Mm -hmm. you didn't do things anonymously because sometimes Mm -hmm. you need to see that there are real people doing things. And you can't get through this without support. You know, I've shared with other people before, um, one of the biggest things that I regret, you know, I didn't talk to the social worker. I didn't go through therapy. Anyone going through a cancer diagnosis, I don't care how old you are, you need someone to talk to. You need those patient navigators. You need someone who's been in your place because it helps you see the green pasture on the other side. Mm. And you have to see it. And, And I think that's what was missing for me. Someone who knew what I was going through and they could tell me that it was going to be okay. Because a lot of times you have people who haven't been through what you've been through and they're telling you that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think, well, how the hell do you know? You don't yeah. really know that. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, it, it's, an, it, it's important to have that peer-to-peer support. Um, and one of the biggest things was to be able, if I couldn't have my voice to go to my doctor and talk about, I want to know about sex after cancer. We empower women and men, you know, to ask these questions that they're thinking in the back of their mind, but they're too afraid. And their doctor may just, not that they're a bad doctor, they just might not have it on their radar. You You know, as my doctor told me, because we're friends now, he said at the time, you know, he cared about my sexuality. But the important thing was saving my life, and I appreciate him for that. But now, you know, I want to have the best quality of life after my cancer, and that includes having a great sex life. Yeah, I said it. (laughs) Yeah, all right. (laughs) You can say it. The show is called Frankly Speaking About Cancer. (laughs) Very appropriate. Very appropriate. Well said, said, Tamika, well said. Um, Dr. Bolte, one of the themes that I I keep hearing coming up is this issue of communication, Um, and we're we're going to be heading to the break in a couple minutes, but talk to us for a minute about the importance of communication when it comes to relationships, whether it's with the doctor, with the healthcare team, with family, with friends. Um, uh, how do we really use that as a tool to face cancer? 
Well, I think cr- communication is critical. If you want to feel like you're in charge again, then that's a one way to do it is to feel like you have the way and the, and the, the ability to take charge of how you communicate. So I think the first thing in communicating is making sure that those people who are around you are the people who are going to support you. And we talk a lot about this um, as far as toxic relationships. If there's people that are sucking you dry and you don't get anything back from them, now's a good time to reevaluate whether those relationships are really worthwhile in your life. And that's where the pull in the cancer card has its benefits, right? I mean, this, Tamika, Johnny, and I joke about that. You can use this for getting out of relationships that suck you dry rather than build you up because now is not the time to be in relationship with people who suck you dry. You want to be around people who are going to build you up and make you strong. So ways to communicate with family and friends to get your needs met. And let's just talk about intimate needs and not sexual necessarily. So... Mm. Um, what do you uh, mean when you say that? So when I'm st- talking about intimate needs, I'm talking about human connection, the need mm. to be with people and have people supporting you and loving you. And that is a critical part of healing, of wellness, of life during and after cancer. It's, a, it's an important and critical part of us as human beings is having intimate relationships with people. And if your needs aren't being met, meaning you're feeling more isolated or you're feeling alone or you're feeling like people just have kind of disappeared, it may be that it's not because of the cancer, and it may be because of the cancer. It may be because they just don't know what to do or say or how to support you. So using some tools, the NCI actually came out with a great um, kind of statement on how to communicate about sexual needs, and I've adapted it to kind of how to communicate about needs in general, stating a fact first, then your feelings or your belief about that, then your feelings, and then what you want the person to do to follow up. So for example, when I was diagnosed with cancer, you stopped calling me. That um, I, I think it's because you're afraid that um, you don't know what to say or that I'm going to cry. That makes me feel sad that cancer's changed that part of our relationship or that it's changed our relationship in general. What I really need from you is for you to call me every Tuesday afternoon and just kind of check in, and we can talk about cancer or we can just talk about life, and I want to hear about your world too so that you are taking control of communication and how your friends and or your loved ones are responding to you. And you can use that same tool when you want to talk about your sexual needs. For example, you're in a sexual relationship. You might say, ever since my cancer diagnosis, I noticed that you've stopped touching me. I think it's because you're not attracted to me anymore, and it makes me feel sad that cancer's changed that aspect of our relationship. I would really like it if we could talk about that or go and see a therapist to help us work through this. Now, what you might find out is that it has nothing to do with the way you looked. In fact, most of the couples I work with, Mm. it has nothing to do with appearance. It has everything to do with the partner being afraid that they're going to hurt them or that Mm. they're going to come off as selfish or, you know, too demanding. They don't want to come off as though they're demanding something of their partner when they're going through this experience. And it has nothing to do with how the person looks. And so that's where really so communicating about it. So it really goes back it. to that communication. Absolutely. Issue. Absolutely. Yeah, why, that, why, that, uh, why that communication Absolutely. is key. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking today about sexuality, cancer, and young adults. Um, we've got three great guests with us. We've got Tamika Felder, who was diagnosed with cervical cancer uh, in her 20s. We've got Johnny uh, Immerman, founder of Immerman Angels, who is a testicular cancer survivor. And we've got Dr. Sage Bolte, who is an oncology social worker and a sex therapist at the wonderful organization Life with Cancer uh, in Virginia. We are having a great conversation. Uh, This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to be right back. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, our episode today is um, being brought to you uh, in part by uh, Genentech and by Celgene. I'm Kim Tibaldo. We're joined by Tamika Felder, a cervical cancer survivor, Johnny Immerman, a testicular cancer survivor, and Dr. Sage Bolte, an oncology social worker and a sex therapist. And we're talking about young adults' cancer and sexuality. Um, Dr. Sage Bolte, I want to go back to you um, for a, uh, a moment. Johnny did share with us that fortunately he did not have um, major sexual side effects as a result of his testicular cancer. But we certainly know that a lot of men do, and um, we know that sometimes men can be very proud and sometimes a little tougher to get them to talk about some of these emotional um, issues. Can you speak to that for a moment? Sure. I just wanted to normalize that there, you know, there are a lot of guys who are experiencing some kind of um, sexual dysfunction, whether it be a lower in, uh, you know, lowering their libido, whether it be um, the inability to get an erection or ejaculate. For some guys, it's really about the testosterone alteration. We found that some guys post-transplant their testosterone's off, and so it's as easy as getting a testosterone patch for a little while until your body rebounds. It's really, really critical if you notice a change at all to speak to your healthcare provider about that. And if there's a nurse that you feel more comfortable talking with, and then um, start with her or him, and then move to the person 
person you feel next comfortable with. So you can talk to an endocrinologist. You can talk to a urologist. There are great people out there that are wanting to support you, and I think recognizing that um, there are changes so that you can get the help you can because it is possible to be improved is really important. And what I found in my dissertation research looking at the sexual self of young adults is that men actually had higher distress, both emotional and physical distress, around the sexual dysfunction than women did. And that's really important, we as professionals as well as the patients out there listening, that you pay attention to because we have the tools to help improve it. And so I just encourage anyone listening to reach out for support and help if you notice a change at all because it could be something very easy and it could be something a little more complicated that we can work towards. But even thinking of graft-versus-host disease, um, if you have really bad graft-versus-host disease and it hurts to bend your joints or you you feel like your skin's going to tear, being in certain sexual positions is absolutely compromising to good sexual function. And so um, making sure that you're communicating how that affects your sexual life. Because as Tamika said, her doctor was focused on saving her life, and that is a good doctor. But they may not think beyond how graft-versus-host disease is uncomfortable, beyond just that and treating that to, oh, you know what, if, if she or he can't bend her knees because it's so bad or um, their face hurts to be touched because it's so bad, that's going to affect their sex life, and that's important. Yeah, and so I think that a lot of folks don't realize that there are treatments, there are kind of secondary diagnoses, there are, but you really have to raise these issues with your healthcare team to find out what kind of treatments and, and remedies might be uh, out there for you. That's right, that's right, that's right. And Sage brings up a great point, and to the listeners yeah. out there, I don't mean to make anyone feel bad or lesser that I did not have some of these uh, sexual dysfunction problems because it does happen to a lot of people, and I know a lot of them, and um, they've been able to work through some of them, and some of them it took a while to be emotionally comfortable. Um, some of them are unable to have children, of course, naturally. That's a big one for guys. But, again, I think connecting with other guys, sometimes for guys, that's what we need, guy to guy. Mm-hmm. guy will open up to another guy much before he'll open up to his mom. So we need to start a sexual dysfunction matching through uh, Immerman's Angels is what Johnny said. <laughs> we do, and we do. If someone literally, yeah, that's a great point, Sage. If someone has a question specifically about sexual dysfunction, we will search our database of over 4,000 cancer survivors and find a guy who's the most similar in that entire list who has already reported to us, we brought him in, that they've had similar sexual dysfunction. Awesome. Apples, so we, so we, need some, we need some virtual backslapping, Johnny, going that's on right. here. That's right. That's right. The guy hug, right? The, guy, the guy virtual hug. guy hugging. Guy yeah. hugs are good. <laughs> guy hugs are good. But guys open up to guys much differently in general than they would to your mom. I was not going to my mom to talk about, you know, having sex with a girlfriend or this works or doesn't work. I mean, let's just call it what it is, right? We're frankly, what is this, frankly about cancer? Frankly speaking, Frankly that's speaking, right. sorry, Tim. Frankly yeah, speaking, that's right. you got to be frank. I mean, you're just not going to do it, the average yeah. guy. And uh, let's be practical and help the young guys out there who don't know where to turn. Yeah, yeah. So I um, am sad to report that we're getting to the end of our show. Um, this has been such a great conversation, I think, in a much-needed conversation, but um, uh, for some folks who may be, uh, may be just, uh, just joining in or for folks who um, may have uh, been recently diagnosed with cancer or know someone uh, who's been diagnosed with cancer, particularly a young person uh, with, with cancer, because, you know, as we talked about today, there's a whole new and different set of challenges for young adults um, when, it, when it comes to cancer. Um, I'm going to start with you, Dr. Sage Bolte. What advice would you give particularly to a young adult who's just been diagnosed with cancer? 
Gosh, I think I would reiterate what Tamika and Johnny have said about connecting with people who can kind of guide you along the way, whether that's being matched to a peer or connecting to professional. There are great oncology social workers out there that you can find through AOSW. Um, talking honestly about what you're concerned about and bringing and being, um, if you have the ability to um, ask questions up front of your physicians. It's okay that if you've been diagnosed and you've kind of gone through this and thinking sex is the last thing on my mind and I'm not worried, that's okay because oftentimes it's kind of once you start into your recovery or your healing, that, yeah. that, that's when the, the quality of life issues go, oh, wait, you mean that's not going to get better or wait, that's still here? I thought that was going to go away when treatment stopped. So that's when you really need to put together a survivorship care plan. So meeting with your health care team, reaching out to an oncology social worker, finding a therapist who can work with you. There are great sex therapists out there through ASECT, A-A-S-E-C-T dot org. There's great certified sex therapists talking to an endocrinologist, a gynecologist, a urologist, anyone who's willing to talk to you about sexual health issues. And again, finding support through some of the online resources like the support groups online for young adults. Um, There are some great resources out there where this is a topic that comes up in many of them. Yeah. Just a, a quick uh, qu- question, um, Dr. Bolte. Do do you find that um, that sometimes people think feel sort of guilty about trying to get these issues addressed? Like, oh my gosh, I just have to focus on my cancer. Yeah. I have to focus on my treatment. Yeah. I, 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 I Absolutely. Think about that at all? No, that's a great question, Kim. And actually, that comes up a lot. People will call yeah. me and say, you know, I was so focused on this, and I felt guilty asking anything else because my doctor, literally, I've had physicians say to their patients, "You should just be glad to be alive." And right. so then to think that they're feeling bad because they don't feel 100% because that, yes, they're glad to be alive, but they're really, they're struggling with depression or anxiety about their sex life. Um, Absolutely, people feel guilty. And so if I can free you up from any of that, any of the listeners, um, there are are ways to help it get better. And again, we know from research, 85% of patients want information on sexual health. But unfortunately, at this point, our healthcare teams aren't yet giving the information proactively. So it is up to the patient to be their best advocate and to ask questions to make sure that they are advocating for their needs and even asking questions like, is it safe for me to use blank? Can I, um, a dilator therapy is something that we should be using more often with young women to help expand and keep their vaginal area healthy because if they're not using it, as Tamika said, you know, we, we joke, use it or lose it. If you yeah. aren't using the, um, the vagina for sex and you try to then have um, vaginal sex, it could be very painful if you haven't been using some kind of either dilator or vibrator, or something to keep um, the vaginal wall, uh, again, being open and being able to have more elasticity. So absolutely ask questions and don't be ashamed from that. It's easier said than done, but I, I want to yeah. reiterate that. Yeah. And there's, it's one thing to be alive, but it's another thing to be alive. <laughs> That's right. It's one thing to kind of just go through life. And yeah. then it's another to really experience yeah. experience good things. And, and I also want to say just quickly, you know, even if your sex life isn't what it used to be prior to treatment, that doesn't mean it can't be good. It just may be mm. different. People right. have really great sex lives even without active, actually having penetrative sex. I know people that are in a quote-unquote sexless, like they don't have penetrative sex relationship, and they have a wonderful sex life through mm. um, touching and kissing and a wonderful intimate relationship, and they're very satisfied. Mm. Um, Johnny and Tamika, Tamika, I'm going to go to you, but we're almost to the end of the show, I'm sorry to say, but Tamika, what advice would you give to someone who's just been diagnosed with cancer? Find your voice. Uh, write a list, you know, of what's important to you during your treatment, after your treatment, what do you care about, um, and 
if you can't find your voice, find a Johnny or a Tamika, and they'll help you find your voice or even talk to your doctor. If you're ashamed to talk to your doctor in person, get, his e- get their email address and email them. You know, you have to be creative, mm-hmm. and but you have to let your doctor know. Um, you have to be the co-doctor. If you're not, they can't help you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Johnny, advice for someone who's just been diagnosed? Yeah, you know, um, first of all, all three of you are amazing and gifts to this cancer world. I mean, this is such an open, good conversation, and people need to talk about it. Just like you said, Kim, people don't talk about the yeah. sexual issue. Um, the, the the best advice that I feel, and I know all three of you are going to predict probably what I'm going to say, but if you get yourself, and I know it's hard, I've been there, but if you get yourself to open up first and turn to people and say, look, I'm having a problem with this, that's the first step with getting help. Right. You've got to reach out, and you've got to open it up, and you've got to ask people. And some, not everyone may respond the way you want them to, but somebody will. I promise someone will. And I think that's the first step with trying to get resources and information and ultimately seek others who understand uh, to help. But if you keep it in the whole time, I think that's probably the reason why most guys report more distress because guys are more likely just to keep it in and not be willing to open it up. And I think you make yourself vulnerable, yes, but it's worth it in the end. I feel that way 100% of this side of the fence. Johnny, how can people find Immerman Angels? It's www.immermanangels.org, which is I-M-E-R-M-A-N, angels.org, or 866-IMMERMAN. You can call us anytime, anyone fighting cancer alone whether it's sexual issues or any type of issues you want to connect, connect to somebody like you, please reach out. Or survivors that want to give back and be a mentor one-to-one and share your story to help another one today in your footsteps. We're always looking for those people, too. And thank you so much, Kim, for having us and putting us all together. I love Absolutely. It's been, it's been fantastic. Um, quickly, Tamika, a website for Tamika and Friends? Tamika, T-A-M-I-K-A and A-N-D, friends with an S, dot org. Fantastic. And Dr. Sage Balti, Life with Cancer in Virginia? Absolutely. Lifewithcancer.org. Perfect. Fantastic. That is easy. They're all pretty easy. Good good work on the uh, URLs there. Um, As I mentioned earlier, this was the second installment of uh, the Cancer Support Community's Cancer and Sexuality Radio uh, uh, series here on Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Um, Visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Again, as I said, we've got 50 centers across the country. We're providing support groups, education, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction for people with all cancers, all ages, all stages of illness, and for their family members, loved ones, caregivers. Um, We uh, appreciate the three of you being on the show today. Uh, It's been a wonderful show. Um, And until next time on Frankly Speaking About Cancer, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.